0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Brian Peacock here alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. You can find this show on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like every program here on the Locked On podcast network. Your team is covered daily. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. We are going back, grading, reviewing all of the draft classes in the 2020 NFL draft and we are on to the NFC North today so we will check in with the Bears Lions Packers Vikings how they did if we like their draft if we didn't every pick at least mentioned here and really discuss the class and what it means for these franchises Uh, yesterday and Matt I was thinking about yesterday's show if you guys missed the first couple we did the South the NFC South yesterday NFC East is what kicked this thing off the Panthers That defensive line, I just kept thinking about it. And you have Derek Brown and you have Yitor Gross Matos to go with what they already had. And Kawan Short inside and Brian Burns coming off the edge. That is, I think that's the way. There's two themes right now I'm seeing around the NFL. One is speed at wide receiver. Everyone's chasing what the two Super Bowl teams are doing, right? Everyone wants speed now at receiver. Like the Chiefs, and then everyone wants the nastiest, beastliest defensive line, like the 49ers. And those things carried those teams to the Super Bowl. And I think it's interesting in the Panthers, that defensive line is the makings of one of the better lines in the league.
1: Yeah. And that team's shaping up in, in general. And I like their draft, defensive heavy draft. I actually thought about their line too after we were done and then just felt like I should have mentioned Brian Burns' name and didn't. You know, yes, all of a sudden, exactly. if assuming those two guys, the rookies are successful. They're at least talented. um, That's a pretty darn good foursome. I mean, it's not a super deep unit, but uh, all of a sudden things are starting to shape up and you can see the picture taking place in Carolina.
0: I've seen some people, and I don't want to get too deep into uh, the, the wrong division right here, but there are some people that have the Panthers as being maybe one of the worst two teams in the league, potentially drafting one of the quarterbacks next year in fields or Trevor Lawrence, maybe one or two overall. I don't know if I see that with this team. I think there's too much talent overall, and we'll see what Matt Rule's coaching staff looks like in his first year, and uh, Teddy B, I think, is a good enough quarterback to where they're not going to lose so many games that they're drafting at the very, very top, even if they're not a great team yet and, and are still yet to turn a corner.
1: Yeah, I see them being competitive probably in the end and not a real successful record, but I bet at the end of the season we say, they found their coach. They have a direction, kind of like we mentioned with Miami. You know, I mean, the way Miami finished up, I'm not going to say that they the, the Panthers start the season like Miami, which was as ugly as I've ever seen. But I think the, the feeling at the end of the year might be like, okay, this rebuild might not take three, four, five years. I think we have a coach. We have a direction. We have a plan. And we're starting to implement it. It might not be long before we're competitive.
0: Before we get to those teams in the NFC North, a couple of notes we talked yesterday about what we would have done with the fifth-year options around the league. We're starting to see some more of those trickle in. Not a surprise at all to see the Steelers have picked up TJ Watt's fifth-year option, and the Atlanta Falcons have announced that they have declined Tack McKinley's fifth-year option.
1: Right, and everyone knew Watt was coming. That was an obvious one. He really played an extremely high level last last year. Ascending player, foundational player for the Steelers. I'm sure they'll lock him up for the long term. McKinley was one yesterday. I was a little on the fence on, but I said no in the end. Not that he's been horrible or a, you know a Vic Beasley like disappointment, but not enough to say I'm going to give. I'm going to guarantee you a contract for next year.
0: Are you surprised that Jameis Winston's one year deal with the Saints is worth only 1.1 million dollars or something like that?
1: I, I didn't hear that till just now. I didn't see the, the contract details. That is odd. I mean, first off, there were some rumors that he turned down a better contract from the Steelers. My sources said that's not true. They're just, are not interested in him. Um, my hunch is there was nowhere else to go. You know, that this guy's not a bad player and to get him at that kind of money is a steal for the Saints. But I also think it's a good career move from Winston in terms of, throwing shorter passes, learning from Breeze, learning from Peyton, you know, take a step back and analyze where you are and have a new group coach you up. Uh, I I think going there will pay off for him in the end.
0: I think it's really smart. I think that's an absolutely perfect match for where Winston can go, what he can learn, have a potential future starting gig if they like what they saw in after Breeze's final year. And there is some incentives involved here, too. So if he does play, then he does get paid. I think there's nearly yeah, $4.7 million in incentives that, that uh, Winston can earn with, with playing time and things like that. So it gives him a chance to earn money if he does play, gives him a chance to learn in the best environment probably in the NFL right now to, to learn it and maybe get out of some bad habits and develop. He's still only 26 years old too. So, But I'm still surprised yeah, right. that Winston couldn't get a better deal than $1.1 million. But smart career move, maybe it makes him more in the long
1: run. Yeah, agreed. But boy, that is a low number. I mean, I thought it'd be four, five, six. I mean, I, uh, what did Teddy get last year? A lot more than that.
0: Yeah, a lot more than that. And But Teddy got himself a lot more again this year. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. a good blueprint, I guess. Go that's to the, the Saints and then yeah, get yeah, more right. money yeah. the year after. Uh, and then real quick, another rumor that sort of slipped through the cracks, to me at least. I don't know if you saw this uh, as it pertains to the NFL draft in the first round. There were reports that the Philadelphia Eagles tried to trade up to draft CeeDee Lamb, which really isn't a big surprise that the Eagles might have tried to trade up to get a wide receiver. And they tried to get in front of the Cowboys who stole Lamb at the 17th pick, but apparently they couldn't get a deal done with the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons wanted to just stick, and A.J. Terrell was their guy, and they didn't want to lose him by dropping back to 21, which is a surprise, man. You look at the way the draft fell, and we talked about drafting that third cornerback and where the value was. I mean, that is a perfect marriage right there for the Falcons and the Eagles to have gotten together on a deal, and I'm surprised that the Falcons didn't want to make that move.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, that's bad business by the Falcons. Move back, pick up another asset. Um, You know, you probably still get your guy or someone similar. Makes perfect sense for the Eagles. I mean, I don't know if they knew that Dallas would take him, but they just had to be blown away that he was still there, the, the 16th spot, and then the 17th he goes and obviously i mean look at the eagles draft class i mean it, we we talked about it what monday i think obviously their biggest need their biggest goal was to fix a wide receiver position they brought they probably thought they could do it with one pick in lamb who many had as the number one receiver in this draft and even their pick of hurts in the second round implies to me they didn't think they had a lot of needs or they wouldn't have made that pick so Sacrificing a pick to go get your number one need would have made a ton of sense for the Eagles. I don't understand why the Falcons didn't do it.
0: Let's jump out of the South and get into the NFC North here. We've got the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings. Let's break down those NFC North drafts here next. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12 pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast. And yeah, Getting those beverages on top of dinner is key. And if you're like me, you probably start thinking about what you want to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. You love food. That's why you'll love Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier with grocery deliveries, convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, which is so key right now. No more late night Fast food runs, you don't have to worry about where you're going to grab lunch. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LockedOnNFL. That's code locked on NFL for one hundred dollars of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Some hit or miss drafts here in the North, Matt. In my opinion, I'm interested to hear how you feel about some of these drafts. Let's start with the Chicago Bears. Did not have a first round selection. They ended up with two though in round two. They drafted. Cole Komet tied in from Notre Dame with the 11th pick in round two. Seven picks later, came back with Utah cornerback Jalen Johnson. Uh, didn't have a pick again until, until round five. Travis Gibson, high upside, outside linebacker, slash defensive end, pass rusher from Tulsa. Kendall Vildor uh, from Georgia Southern, a cornerback that I think is a nice sleeper pick there, a high upside guy, probably my favorite pick of this draft class. Darnell Mooney in the fifth with their third, fifth rounder, speedy wide receiver from Tulane. Arlington Hambright, who I did not watch in the pre-draft process an offensive tackle from Colorado great name though Arlington Hambright and <laughs> yeah, no doubt. the second seventh rounder Laschavius Simmons Tennessee State guard so a couple of offensive linemen late Chicago Bears what do you think about this draft class
1: I didn't I think they did pretty well to be honest with you I mean of course consider Khalil Mack part of this hall um the tight end situation in Chicago is almost funny at this point. I mean, I thought Jimmy Graham was the worst signing ever, and they cut Burton, which I wasn't fi- you know, a fan of that signing way back when, or a couple years ago. And they just keep going through tight ends after tight ends. Comet was it seems like a very solid Kyle Rudolph young player should be useful without a doubt. Jalen Johnson falling to fifty, I thought that was a, a heck of a value pick. And when in doubt, grab a corner. Gibson was one of my favorite sleeper types. I think he is a 3 4 type outside linebacker. Wasn't always used that way in Tulsa's three man front, but he's a good athlete with a lot of upside. You mentioned Vildor. Uh, That's a nice pickup at 163. And then Mooney's a small, KJ Hamler light. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's a small dude that's really explosive. And then you pick up two offensive linemen in the seventh round that I don't know much about. So. All things considered, I didn't think they did poorly.
0: Well, it's tough because we, when you grade, do you grade what they did with fewer picks because they didn't have it as, as many picks, or do you just have to grade with the selections they have, even though they had traded away some of their draft picks? So you have to just take it as it is, I think. And then overall, I mean, it's just one of the worst hauls, I think, in the NFL, in my opinion. And maybe a mm-hmm. hey, Cole Komet, I didn't. I don't love it. I mean, sixty picks later. Adam Troutman was still on the board. It was just a little high for a tight end there with all the tight ends they have on the roster, but just even the value, there's better players on the board in round two. Um, You know, and you mentioned some of those picks that that were okay in the middle, and obviously... You only have two second rounders that you don't pick again until the fifth. So it's going to be a difficult draft for you. So they did okay with what they had. So that was the biggest problem is they didn't come in with a lot of draft capital. But I thought they even could have done better, especially at the top with that second round pick. Your first pick in a draft when you don't have a lot of draft capital, I think they could have got a higher upside player that could have been more impactful for that team. Specifically with the tight end position when you could have gotten a guy later who, to me, wasn't there just wasn't that one Cole Komet tight end far and away the best on the board, which I'm sure the bears felt differently.
1: No, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I actually had Troutman as my number one tight end. So to be the, it's almost like that third con- cornerback conversation to be the team that takes the first tight end probably isn't good business, not knowing where the other ones are going to fall after you're done, because there was three or four that were fine. I mean, I liked Aussie Aussie as well. Um, I don't think commit stands alone. That's for sure. But to your point, I mean, they didn't have many cards in their deck. I mean, you pick a guy at 43 and a guy at 50, and then you got to wait over 100 picks again for your next guys. And so you're not going to bring in much of a haul. Uh, I mean, people love trades like the Khalil Mack one, and he's a great player, but then they love to rip the bears two years later. You know, like those are expensive trades and they hurt Mm -hmm. you for years.
0: You look at the Bears, too, and they're trying to get over a hump and get back to the team they were a couple of years ago. Does this draft help them get there? I think Jalen Johnson can play pretty early in this draft. Most of these guys might be, even the sleepers that we like there in the fifth round, those guys might be helping out the next coaching staff if they can't get things figured out (laughs) right now in in Chicago.
1: Maybe, and maybe the thought is, We need to get Trubisky a tight end safety blanket. That's why they've been trying so hard, make some easy throws in the middle of the field. But I don't know that he's a NFL-ready tight end that's going to light it up right away, and tight ends rarely do. It's not necessarily good business to count on rookie tight ends. I'm with you. I mean, like, Johnson, Gibson, Vildor, they're nice reinforcements for what's a good defense, and I would imagine Johnson will play a lot as a rookie, but that doesn't move the needle all that much.
0: Let's check in on those Detroit Lions, shall we? They had a number of draft picks. It's an interesting draft. I feel like more than I can remember, there was a lot of picks that had been traded before the draft or during the draft in the later rounds. There were some teams that had, like, the the uh, one of the teams we're going to talk about at the end, the Minnesota Vikings, who had 13 picks on day three. It's like, what are you going to... Those I'm guys crazy, can't yeah. even all make the roster. Such a strange draft. And then you have teams like the Saints who trade all their picks and end up with four selections. 49ers only had a few picks. The Bears we saw were missing a bunch of selections. So, uh, really interesting draft with the number of late round picks some of these teams had. Um, a number of them for.
1: And, and real, real quick, before yeah. you mention the Lions, I do think that's interesting because I wanted to mention that earlier in the week that I, more than I can remember, there were teams without a first round pick in this draft, the one that we just had. A lot of teams had to wait till day two to make their first selection. And I think what's also interesting is next year's draft, the 2021 draft, everyone has their first. You know, there's 32 teams, 32 oh. picks, no one has a double pick or no one is out a first so far. So they didn't want to mortgage the future.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, this yeah. year, this year it seemed like half the teams didn't have a first rounder, next year they've all got their originals and there's not that many players out there that you could see getting swapped for one of those firsts. So I think there's a pretty good Mm -hmm. chance most of those teams do stick with those first rounders next year. Plus there's so much up in the air right now, as far as uh, what that draft will look like and what these seasons will look like. So that's another aspect of it. And I wonder if teams would be more willing once this thing is announced and the season starts to go and training camp starts to go, if some teams will say, look, man, this Next draft is a crapshoot anyway. Let's let's get rid of this first rounder for something that we know is valuable now. Try to go win something now, and and not worry so much about the twenty twenty one draft. It could get very interesting with how some teams approach that.
1: Yeah, that that's a great point. And what I took away from it was, you know, teams weren't willing to move up this year to go get Saints trade up for Davenport and and you know sell their first the next year just because I don't think that they're going to put a ton of stock in this draft class to put them over the edge because they're not going to be in rookie mini camps and all those things. I'm not giving up next year's first to move up for a player I adore in this draft because he's in a tough situation. Right,
0: like the story we talked about earlier with the Eagles trying to move up to 16 with the Falcons. The Eagles could have gotten up to 16 or further if they wanted to dangle that future first, but they didn't want to do that. Yeah, so uh, it's a good point. Let's get to the Lions. Yeah, Detroit Lions. Jeffrey Okuda, number three overall cornerback from Ohio State, the one everyone saw coming. And the the thing that nobody saw coming was a running back in round two, DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, the third pick in round two. The third pick in round three was Julian Okwara, a high upside outside linebacker slash defensive end pass rusher from Notre Dame. Came back with Jonah Jackson, the guard from Ohio State in round three. Logan Stenberg. Kentucky guard in round four, so back-to-back guards there. Then uh, Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin, wide receiver in round five. Jason Huntley from New Mexico, running back in round five. Round six was John Pennicini, Utah yeah. defensive tackle, someone I didn't watch before the draft, and uh, which is pretty common. I think that those late-round picks that we talked about, some teams had a bunch. I think boards were going to look a lot different this year, too, because of the draft process in those later rounds. And then round seven, they came back with Another Ohio State player, this time defensive end, Deshaun Cornell. And uh, that was a nice little haul there, I think, for the Detroit Lions in their draft class. Running back, though, What everyone saw akuda coming. Nobody saw the running back coming. What do you do if you're drafting fantasy running backs for the, for the Lions right now?
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you that question too. Like, well, let's just brush over the Akuda pick because that's been mocked a million times. I got no qualms with it. They didn't trade out. Great, good pick. Swift is absolutely worth the thirty fifth pick, but does that mean Carry On Johnson's on the trade block? Like we've seen guys quickly get in the Lions' doghouse and Patricia's doghouse, and he wasn't part of drafting Carry On. Mm. He's been injured, and taking it up a notch. I didn't realize till just now. They used a fifth round pick on a running back too, on this Jason Huntley dude who yeah. I knew nothing about. But so they drafted two of them. I I don't quite understand that. I, I have I can understand, boy, Swift's too good to pass up. He's a really good player, brings a lot in the passing game. But does that mean Carrion's on the way out the door? Should people be calling the Lions for a running back?
0: Yeah, and the skills that and Carrion Johnson's a pretty good receiving running back. I mean, he's a complete guy. Yeah. So is DeAndre Swift. He's a, a complete Running back. So there's not a perfect role where you say, oh, this guy's the thumper, this guy's the third down back. They can, they're can, they both pretty complete running backs. And then Jason Huntley, uh, I don't know a lot about him except for that he's small and fast, 5'8, 190 pounds, probably more of a kick return type. It looks like he had mm-hmm. five touchdowns on kickoff returns in his college career. And 134 receptions for a 1,000 yards. So he's that style of player. So there's your third down, your change of pace guy, your kick return guy and Jason Huntley. But, yeah, it's that who's going to get the lion's share of carries, who's going to be the running back on third downs. And it's a great point about on Johnson not being this regime's draft pick. Maybe he is on the trading block.
1: Not, maybe. I mean, they've dealt guys before. As soon as you get in the doghouse, they'll ship you out. I mean, think about, like, Quinn, the safety, and dudes like that. Let's get back to their draft. There's a couple things I want to mention is I really like the Aquara pick at 67 and his brother's already on the team. I mean, things like that matter. I think it's just an easier transition for this young man. And I think he's got a lot of upside. You go back to back guards where I didn't think their guard position was needing of two players, but they're very different. Jonah Jackson really excels in protection. He was a pro football focused favorite for his protection where Logan Stenberg is like the nastiest old school guard in this whole draft. And my favorite draft comparison this year was Stenberg. And I forget, it might've been Lance Erline that did it. Conrad Dobler is who he did. Is who he, <laughs> he, he, he comped him to. Who's like the most hated guy in NFL history. So I like that a lot. But I do have a big complaint about this draft is I thought going into this draft, the Lions defensive tackle situation was amongst the worst in the league and we know that's a patriot like you know style of defense they want big pluggers and they brought in shelton from the patriots and that's about it hands a good player but he's more of a third down penetrator and they waited till the sixth round for Pennicini, who is exactly that he's a big nose tackle out of utah but you waited a long time to address that need
0: yeah Pennicini uh six one three eighteen so he's wider than he is tall basically mm-hmm. that is your uh nose tackle plugger for the for the lions there and maybe they thought yeah well, whatever he's a one-dimensional guy we can get that late and we can stuff the run there so uh interesting draft for the detroit lions okuda slam dunk pick no problems with that one i like some of the value though they got all the way through round five or so and, and really through the whole thing mm-hmm. so Yeah, I think it was an okay draft. Interesting to see how everybody fits in. High upside there with Aquara in round three. I thought that was a great spot for him. I'd seen him go even late one, early two in some mock drafts. Thought that was a little rich because of the, just the body of work and the inconsistency there. But man, in third round, you get a guy who can fly off the edge and potentially be one of the better pass rushers in this draft if it all clicks for him. I really like that pick a lot. And then the two guards, uh, one of those guys is going to hit and be a, a starter for you, I think, in the third and fourth round.
1: Yeah, and the last guy I just wanted to bring up was Quentin Cephas. Quintez Cephas ran like a four seven something at the combine. He has some off the field stuff, but it's good tape. I mean, it's what's funny. I was just going to quote Okuda. They asked Okuda, "Who's the best receiver you faced all year?" He said Cephas. And they <laughs> their teammates.
0: Yeah, and a physical player. He reminds me a little bit of Mohamed Sanu. Bad forty yeah, time, yeah. but but still somewhat explosive. Like better leaps at the combine than than. uh 40 speed. He ran a better 40 at his pro day, 4-5-ish, if you believe the pro day numbers this Uh year. So that might have helped him a little bit. But physical and can win in a lot of levels of the field. So I like Quintez Cephas as a fifth-round guy who could stick for the Lions for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's come back. We've got the Packers and Vikings to finish up the NFC North. Who? Green Bay Packers. They, I mean, this was my favorite draft, I think, because, not because I liked it, but because of how insane it made everybody for them to move up, no less to draft quarterback Jordan Love out of Utah state round two came back with a 250 pound running back in AJ Dillon from Boston college round three, Josiah Degara, a tight end from Cincinnati. Then Kamal Martin inside linebacker from Minnesota in round five, two or three, sixth round picks, John Runyon, the second of which to be an NFL player, a offensive guard from Michigan, Jake Hansen, center from Oregon, Simon Stepeniak, a tackle from Indiana. So all three of those sixth rounders were offensive linemen. Vernon Scott from TCU, a safety in the seventh round, and the second seventh rounder, Jonathan Garvin, defensive end from Miami. But we've got to stop at, start at the top here with this draft from the Green Bay Packers. And Jordan Love, quarterback, what do you think about the mindset that the Packers have with Jordan Love? You had to absolutely believe he is a future starter in this league to draft him, period, and trade up for him.
1: I'm not a Jordan Love fan. I mean, i said that going into the draft, and I'm not changing my tune on that. I would not invest in him. But I also think it's safe to say, and this has really been four years running, Aaron Rodgers ain't what he used to be. I mean, I I hate to say that. That breaks my heart. But he's not an elite quarterback anymore. I, I believe that. And I also think that I can't be super critical of a team that sees a potential long-term franchise quarterback and goes and gets him. Maybe that wouldn't have been my guy, but if you can go far of the Rodgers to love, that's very, very appealing. And it's a great landing spot for him and that he doesn't have to play soon. I'm going to throw this out at you, and I'm not doing it for clickbait. What? How long is it going to take before Aaron Rodgers is a Patriot? <laughs>
0: I mean, <laughs> essentially... Every bad throw is the beginning of the end of Aaron Rodgers' Green Bay Packers career, right? Because that's one of the... On paper, it's like, oh, let's draft a quarterback. It's a smart move. If you get your future quarterback, maybe it's two Mm -hmm. years away. But the reality is, as soon as you do that, it's in everybody's mind. It's in Rodgers' mind. It's in Love's mind. It's in the coaching staff's mind, the front office's mind. And it sure as heck is in all the minds of people writing stories in the media and in turn the fans. So that story just is never going to go away like Aaron Rodgers where he, where does he play next is the only story now in Green Bay unless he plays so well and it's so obvious that Jordan Love is not ready in which case it's a terrible draft pick because you want Jordan Love to push Rodgers to the point where you believe that you can let Rodgers go just like Rodgers did with Brett Favre and we saw how that played out publicly and I'm I'm a little bit surprised that the Packers want to go through that drama again because that was that was an insane story, even though it turned out so well for them. And here's the other thing, and, and people like to compare the, the rodgers Favre draft or the 2005 draft of Rodgers with the whole Favre situation and, and how they got the heir apparent. Jordan Love is nowhere near the prospect that Rodgers was coming out. Rodgers, if, if Alex Smith wasn't in the draft in 2005 Rodgers would have been the first pick in the draft if Alex Smith didn't even pull his chair out for his mom when they had dinner with the coaching staff it was that close it was like oh we like this guy a little bit better than this guy maybe that's how close Aaron Rodgers was to being the number one overall pick in the draft in 2005 he fell to the Packers and they didn't have to trade up to get him they were calling teams being like oh man how did this guy fall why is he even still on the boards there something we didn't see and like no there's so they got lucky I was actually in the war room that year I was with the Browns that year okay and we
1: picked third yeah, and, and you guys had, had Rodgers first, right? We had a higher grade on Rodgers than Smith yeah. and and I will say I wasn't in charge of writing a report on Rodgers, but me and my buddy James had nothing else to do, we are just in our free time just stick around and eat ice cream and watch, you know, watch players. And I watched a fair amount of Rodgers. He wasn't the same guy then. <laughs> I mean, no what he learned a lot from Favre and he also developed late, but By no means should he have fallen to as far as he did either. I mean, everyone knows that story. But I bet, like us, many teams had Rodgers over Smith. It was very close.
0: So it's not like Love just fell to 30 and fell in their lap. And they're like, man, we have to make this pick because that's our evaluation. They were actively trading up to get their quarterback, which changes Uh the narrative of this whole thing quite a bit. And if he hits, it's a genius move. Uh, If he doesn't hit, or even if he becomes just okay and you pushed Rodgers out of town too soon, maybe... I don't know. And then they follow up the rest of this draft, which I don't like at all. So uh, it's really hard for me to get behind this Packers draft because AJ Dillon, I mean, that's just not the style of running back. That's the worst
1: pick of the draft. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's the one that bothers me. I mean, honestly, the, the loved one doesn't bother me as much. It's not what I had done. I wasn't a big fan of the player, but I really feel like I say this all the time. I mean, if you read the tea leaves and this one takes a little digging doesn't it feel like the organization is leaning towards LaFleur instead of Rodgers now? You know, LaFleur, this is going to be your team. This is going to be your quarterback. Rodgers won't be here long. Him and you never don't, don't seem to exactly jive on meshing to your Shanahan system. You loved Derrick Henry with Tennessee where you were at last. Now we'll give you your Derrick Henry. But he, is, he ain't Derrick Henry, he, and he can't catch passes. And there's receivers on the board and you won 13 games last year. It's it's not time to do that. Like I've heard people saying Dylan will close out games in the Tundra at Lambeau field. Well, you didn't even need a running back for one thing. All this does tell me Aaron Jones is probably not getting a contract. And there's been a lot of mixed reviews on what he's like as well. But I mean, for an old school, Dylan is not worth the 67 pick 62nd pick. And that's the pick that bothers me the most in this draft for the Packers.
0: Then you have to consider the other running backs that had just gone. Like You missed out on Dobbins and Akers and Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. They all went before you in the second round. Is there that much difference between A.J. Dillon and the rest of the group? Keyshawn Vaughn we saw go later. Zach Moss, Darrington Evans that you could have waited on. So I have a huge question See, I about I think in their
1: mind it is because yeah, that's Derrick Henry.
0: Right. It's, I don't know. It, here's the thing. Does having A.J. Dillon on your – having Derrick Henry on your roster – does that bring you back from three scores down against the 49ers in the playoffs last year? No. You know what I, mean? so, yeah.
1: I bet they they bet they watch the Niners run all over them and say, mm. I wish we could do that.
0: With their non-250-pound running backs that all run four threes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But this brings me to the next pick, too. I yeah. mean, there are ties to Shanahan and McVay and those guys, and I absolutely think Josh Degara, who has TE next to his name, they see Kyle Juszczyk.
0: Yeah, I can see that. and Obviously, with the Green Bay Packers draft, it's Jordan Love. What does Love turn into that's going to uh, really make this draft a home run or maybe the worst draft in the entire league this year?
1: Yeah, and in the end, you and I talked about this a fair amount, that they signed Devin Funchess. I hope they don't think that the problem solved. Well, they must have thought that the problem was solved, the pass catcher, and I think they ignored a phenomenal wide receiver Mm -hmm. draft. For them not to get a receiver in this draft is criminal.
0: Yep, I agree. All right, let's move on. We've got to finish this up with the Minnesota Vikings, who had a ton of picks. I don't know if we're going to get in depth on all these, but Justin Jefferson at pick 22 in round one. They moved back from 25 to 31, took TCU corner Jeff Gladney in round two. They followed that up with offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. Cameron Dansler, corner from Mississippi State in round three. Round four, three picks of their 13 day three selections. DJ Wonham, defensive end from... South Carolina, James Lynch, defensive tackle from Baylor. Troy Dye, inside linebacker from Oregon, round five. Harrison Hand, Temple, corner. K.J. Osborne, Miami wide receiver, round six. Blake Brandle, offensive tackle from Oregon State. Josh Metellus, safety from Michigan. And in round seven, four picks. Kenny Willick is defensive end from Michigan State. I like that pick a lot, actually. Uh, Nate Stanley, quarterback from Iowa. Brian Cole, strong safety from Mississippi State. And... The very last selection, Kyle Hinton, guard from Washburn.
1: First of all, a lot of people are giving the Vikes, you know, A pluses for their draft. And if you just base on what you're bringing in the building, that makes some sense. But there's some reaches here. Well, I might even be critical of that. Frankly, I think it's irresponsible to draft 15 players. They can't (laughs) make your team. You don't have 15 roster spots. Like, that makes no sense to me. And what do you say, the the ten of them or whatever on, on the last day? You're just throwing things around for guys that are going to play somewhere else. I mean, can't you trade up two or three times throughout the draft? And I don't, I don't, you know, give them a hard time for picking up all these picks, as well as some next year ones in the trades they made. They needed a lot of things. But you can't make 15 picks. The rosters are only 55 long. I mean, that's it, yeah. just irresponsible.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that either. It's unnecessary. Could you have gotten a better player with not, without doing some of those trade downs? You know, did you? Because, trade for
1: another pick next year. I yeah, mean, maybe you just can't next bring year in picks. 15 rookies.
0: They ended up with 11 day three picks. I think they had 13 at at one point. And I like some of them. Maybe the idea is, look, we don't care if they don't all make it, but if the competition and we just had more darts to throw at the dartboard and it makes us stronger at the back end, why not? I I guess I could see that. Uh, And I do like some value that they got here on day one and two. I love Cleveland in round two, the 26th pick in round two. It sounded like he was going to be the 26th pick in round one leading up to the draft that I thought was too high. But at this area, I like where they got Cleveland, really athletic, high upside, could be a starting offensive tackle. Cam Dansler, bad combine, but then worked out better at his pro day and has some pretty good tape there to get that guy in round three, I think is a, a very good pick. And then I like Gladney and Jefferson with their first round selection. So overall, the day three stuff is weird and I don't really get it. There's a, a few players I like, Kenny Willickus in the seventh, but I kind of like what they did in the first few rounds. So I can't give it a bad grade because it's, a weird strategy, I still have to give it a pretty good grade.
1: No, I hear you. And they had clear needs. They obviously addressed them well. Two corners, Gladney and Danzler. Great. You know, I, I mean, that's throwing premium resources at a problem. Ezra Cleveland looks like Brian O'Neill to me. I mean, he's really excelling up there now. I mean, former tight end type, type guy that moves really well, fits their system perfectly. Jefferson has a lot of Thielen, digs position, versatility, do-it-all type guy. Great. I mean, he may catch a ton of balls up there. And I think Thielen's due to decline sooner than later. I mean, I like the Lynch pick. I like the Troy Dye pick. I like the Willickus pick. And, you know, back to our former conversation, maybe teams weren't giving away next year's picks that much. But in the end, drafting 15 guys doesn't do you any good when you're going to cut seven of them. <laughs>
0: yeah it's it's very strange of all the teams like i could see it if they were a complete tear down rebuild team and they
1: even the dolphins
0: right yeah or maybe even the panthers or a team like that that was new coaching staff new gm let's start over with our guys but a team in the situation the vikings are was one of the last teams you would expect to do something like that
1: yeah they won 10 games and they're a good football team i just i mean i understand that they had a lot of needs and they wanted to bring in an influx of youth and this is Sort of their version of a rebuild year. There was a lot, of, a lot of change in the building. But again, you can't bring this many seventh-round picks in and think you're going to get anything out of them. And then your coaches have to coach them up and spend time with them. And I, I don't understand that part of it. But here's, I like the players they drafted.
0: Here's a question for you, and we saw this a number of times in the first round. Teams trading away players, then drafting that same position with the pick they got back. Would you rather have Justin Jefferson on a rookie contract or Stephon Diggs on his contract?
1: Probably Jefferson, although he worries me a little. I don't know that he's ever going to be an alpha dog, and I think Diggs is an alpha dog. But he's also a big personality, Diggs, and not necessarily a good personality. And he's expensive. So um, that being said, I mentioned, you know, they have Jefferson and Thielen. Would it shock you if next year's first or second round pick was a receiver too?
0: Not really, yeah. Uh, yeah they, right. And they still need more depth there. And they did draft another receiver KJ Osborne pitch. later. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> Couldn't use the other fourth round pick on a receiver too?
0: Do you think the over, we're getting, you know what, let's save this. We're we're out of time here. I've got a topic about the wide receivers in this draft. And if, if this draft class was overrated, underrated, as far as wide receivers go as being, you know, one of the great deep classes of all time at wide receivers, maybe we'll get into that tomorrow before we talk NFC West draft review yeah Yeah.
1: any nfc west questions shoot them in because we're not going to do twitter thursday this week
0: yes good call i forgot about that twitter no twitter thursday we're going to talk west if you have any questions about any of the divisions we haven't hit yet hit us up and we'll uh we'll have some time to talk about your questions rather than doing a twitter thursday we'll filter some through throughout the next week or two right here locked on nfl